Right. Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, where, depending on where you're, where you're at. Um, it's June 27th, 5 p.m. Central European time. This is Steve Lurie, your DJ, B2B Rocks. Right. Good morning, nice everybody, or good afternoon, where, depending on where you're at. Uh, one second. Um, so really excited today about today's guest. We have a gentleman here named Alex Delive. Uh, really interesting guy, kind of a serial founder, been around uh, doing startup work for quite a while now. It's actually the guy who started uh, B2B Rocks many, quite a few years ago, but maybe we'll let him tell his story. Um, before I talk about that, I just wanted to uh, comment on one thing. Uh, I just read today that in Ireland, Ireland, I don't know where it's at. It's a unicorn social app, IRL. Not sure if anyone ever used this. It's just really funny because I didn't even know this thing existed. Apparently, they raised something like 160 million and burned through it all. And uh, SoftBank led this this investment. Um, kind of curious to see if anyone out there uh, ever used this. If they did, they could write in on the chat. That'd be great. Uh, curious. Seems like an awful lot of money for a social media app. In any case, the uh, point turns out, or so it turns out, 95% of their users were just bots. Uh, and so I hope management didn't set this up or the co-founders didn't set this up because it would be a really ugly situation. But anyhow, um, interesting thing I just said. <laughs> Never heard of it. Kind of like, what's going on here? Um, with that, let me bring in my guest. So uh, hold on, let me change screens here, Alex. Uh, guest with video. Oh, that, that's going to be better. We're going to have you up here. Alex, can you hear me okay? Yep. Yeah, good. Welcome. How are you doing? Really good, and you? Yeah, really well. Nice, nice to be back in the show. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we had you on here last year. Yep. How are things going on your side? Well, quite well. Uh, well, I mean... Uh, as lots of business, uh, while well, the the beginning of the year has been, I would say, um, not very calm. Um, we get some clients that shut down. We've got uh, like we we see that some clients want the to to reduce their cost, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, I would say uh, growing up again. So that's fine. Good. So it was turbulent. Things have kind of stabilized. Yeah. Uh. Are you expecting any more turbulence or would it, would any pre predictions for where things are going from here? Well, it's it's quite hard, you know, to, well, if only I have a crystal ball, it would be, it would yeah. be like awesome. Which stock should I buy? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I think the earliest part, at least for this year, is behind us, uh, while well, I hope so. Um, and yeah, I, I think lots of, you know, companies, uh, they they check their accounts, check what should be uh, shut down and stopped. So hopefully it will be it would be better for the second part of the year. And 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 I think well, you you know well maybe you don't you maybe you don't but also in SaaS, uh, quite often we are I would say a little bit countercyclic because for example when the the activity of our customer is very high. Uh, it's not the right moment to sell to them. Uh, so, for example, so well for me historically, um, uh, July, June, July, and August are pretty well are very good months uh, because people have more time to uh, test new things, uh, implement them, and start using them. So, yeah, hopefully it will be a good summer. That's interesting. So summer's a good time because it's kind of like a slower time and people are, are, are looking maybe to rearm. Yeah. How are they going to compete and, and improve? Yeah, and they want to be ready for September. Uh, so most of the time, uh, well, I would say summer usually is, is the better than September. Yeah. Stop me when I make my first mistake. So your company's name is Collect. Yeah. Your website is use collect exactly okay <laughs> because you you, and, you you say the opposite way yeah uh, i said it the opposite way. that's why that's why i said stop yeah. keep me from making mistakes um and um 
Uh, basically, you guys, when people need documents, whatever business they're doing or whatever, you set up a way to automate that process. So you can collect those documents, uh, exactly. make sure that's done efficiently. Yeah, what, what we do is um, is the client portal, basically, to to get data and documents from your clients. Mm -hmm. We are mostly, but not only, used during the onboarding process. Mm -hmm. um, so at this time, let's say that you are a SaaS vendor, uh, and you need to get your um, clients to send you like tons of stuff during your onboarding process. Uh, so I would say most of our customers, their previous uh, workflow for this was uh, email. So basically they were sending an email to their customers saying, okay, we need this, that, and that. And then, but very quickly, it's becoming messy because they are only replying with a few documents. Uh, some orders are missing. Some orders are incorrect. And so you don't know where you are. Uh, mm -hmm. If you try to use regular forms, um, it's not made for back and forth. Uh, and so, yeah, Collect is really suitable for this. Yeah, it would seem like if you have your salespeople chasing down forms or documents, that's a pretty inefficient use of those resources. Yeah. You want your salespeople as much as possible to be focusing on selling, engaging with customers, prospects, excuse me, and really building the funnel as opposed to backfilling. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and even even if it's not a full salesperson, if it's a junior person or um, you know, let's say success, a customer success personnel, it's it's still not ideal. I mean, those are still it's it's more expensive than automating something like apparently you do with collect yeah and also well of course the cost is part of the of the issue but there is also the experience that you will offer to your customer uh, because yeah. um well you want your customer to have a good experience and to have like to know exactly where they are what has been accepted rejected and and it it can become really i would say blurry very quickly uh, so this is, I would say, what we are solving. Yeah. When you mentioned that, because while I was doing research about this, I started researching, because we had talked briefly about integration, and I was re researching integration-led growth strategies, and I came across product-led growth and, and partner-led growth, which are two terms that you, I, I was more familiar with. Mm -hmm. But, but then uh, there was a report by McKinsey saying um, experience-led growth. And they said... And they said that really mature organizations now are like banks are going back and looking at the experience because that's their, it's their biggest growth lever mm -hmm. is that if they can really create a unique, definitive experience compared to uh, another institution, a similar institution, that's a great way for them to drive business. And um, I, I couldn't tell I can't tell you, I, I believe that more. I mean, working in technology, when you go work with any other industry, you're like, you guys got to work on your experience management here or, or your onboarding. And, and it's, it's kind of difficult, I think, actually work with other industries, what I call legacy industries like mm. banking and stuff like that. Um, and I would tell my banker about uh, Collect. I don't think he Please would do anything him. anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> he, wouldn't, he wouldn't use it anyhow. Um, so how did you... So we talked about integration. So how are you using integrations? What exactly have you decided to do? And uh, can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah, sure. So the thing, well, so I, I started Collect a little bit more than three years ago. And and very quickly, my customers say, okay, but we, won't, we don't want to, um, I would say, to put manually all the contact information and all the custom data and so on. Uh, we want that to be integrated with our workflow, um, which is more than logical. And so very quickly, so we had a Zapier integration and then uh, also an API. And very quickly, we decided to uh, build uh, an integration with HubSpot. Um, and why am I talking about um, integration uh, growth? If our... I would say, um, well, not point of view, but philosophy um, was not only to check the box saying, okay, we've got an integration with uh, AppSpot. Because, I mean, it's very easy to, uh, and I see so many 
as SaaS saying, okay, we've got an integration with Salesforce, HubSpot, Zendesk, whatever. But in the end, uh, when you are trying to use them, it's pretty much unusable. Uh, and, and I think the real thing to consider is you need to say, okay, uh, as an end user, can I really use this native integration uh, in my day-to-day -day job? And, and so it took us like a lot of work to do a proper integration between Collect and AppSpot. And to be honest, it's not totally uh, finished. And I think it, it, it won't be, um, but it, it will never be in fact, because it will evolve with the product. Um, and so, and, and we are trying to do the same with all those CRMs. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really you need to understand the capabilities uh, of the of your integration uh, API, and and really to I would say to leverage what what's doable. Yeah, I think really looking at how your users are really going to be using that too. Um, that reminds me of I think it was last yeah it was last year for B two B Rocks. I was talking with the guy who was responsible for Salesforce's. Um, partnership with their, their partnering efforts and they allow people to build applications that sit on top of Salesforce and, and integrate with Salesforce. And he's like, yeah, it's great, but we have to be really careful not to let just anyone put up any sort of application or integration up there because it's the quality can vary so greatly that one, it wrecks our customers experience, but also our customers start looking at us saying, Hey, you guys aren't serious because you're letting all this crap into our ecosystem as well. Um, yeah. So I think yeah, I think he, well, it's a good example, uh, and uh, well, uh, it's funny because I think on the uh, sales, well, I, I love Salesforce too, oh. um, but on the Salesforce marketplace, there are around so it, it's called App Exchange, and yes. they have uh, more than eight thousand integration, and lots of them are like crappy, and <laughs> and 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 I I think. Most of them are not leveraging at all the capabilities of Salesforce, and so that's really my point. When you decide to do an integration, you need to really to to try to to make your integration, I would say, the the best possible for this specific uh, software. Uh, so, it, for example, I, I can give you an example with with AppSpot and, and what we did. Um, with AppSpot, there are, there are something called um i think it's sequence so basically it's kind of a zapier integrated uh, inside of hubspot so basically you can say okay when a deal is reaching a certain stage then trigger something and and when i saw that i was like okay this is awesome and basically it can be really powerful with uh, with collect and so um, we decided to have a look to to do also this, I would say, extra miles uh, for the integration. And and when looking at the AppSpot marketplace, we figured out that there are only, I think, 50 integrations that are using this feature, which is crazy yeah. because it's it's so powerful. I don't understand why DocuSign, sign or anything uh, don't have this integration too. Gosh, I know that I'm using sequences and um, yeah, the, the whole automation side of HubSpot and how accessible that is, how they democratize that, and then to not be able to leverage that feature when you're collecting documents. Yeah, you're, you guys hit the nail on the head. That's exactly right. Mm. Um, with each step, as people move from prospect to whatever, you, you want to collect or be collecting certain information as they engage. And, and uh, no, absolutely. Did, did you know from day one you were going to be building integrations into CRMs, or did that come? Did you once you figured out like your ICPs and and stuff like that? No, how it, did that How did that evolve? I, it it came after. It came after. Yeah, yeah. I think when when I when I look back at the first mockups of the of uh, colleagues, it, it's not the same at all. <laughs> what what is this today? So I think well, the funniest part is the um, size of the team. Um, when, when I launched Collect, I was thinking, okay, I will have different, you know, pricing tiers. And, and in my first, uh, draft of, of uh, pricing, 
uh, I think the largest team was like five users. Um, and now I don't have the exact figures about how many users will I, we, we have, but I think the biggest account on AppSpot is around 200 users on the same account. Okay. So not the same at all. Not, not the same at all. Um, that's so funny. What, what, you know, you, some of the considerations you're talking about is taking advantage of, of some of the technologies that are exposed through the API. So in the case of HubSpot, there's sequences. Um, so you want to be able to use that functionality. You kind of have to know the product well enough yeah. to do that. So as you go to build integrations for each platform, are you talking with experts using these platforms and trying to get feedback? Are you just using your own experiences? How do you, how do you pull that together? Yeah, so the thing, well, and, and it's very specific to collect, uh, and I don't know how, I would say, how long it will last, but um, collect is a very small team. Basically, it's, it's me uh, and a few, well, um, a few freelancers sometimes. And so the um, feedback loop between, uh, I would say, customers' feedback, developers, and product is the smallest one because it's only me. Um, so basically, I do have call with customers and they tell me, okay, we need this kind of integration. And, and they explain to me their current process, what, what they need to do, and I would say their pain, basically. Yeah. And then... So I'm trying to to find some solutions using integrations mostly, and and the good thing is because I'm also a developer, I'm able, for example, to look at the API and all the capabilities uh, of the third-party software, and then I can really leverage uh, that because I I would say I have all the cards in hand to to do the to do so. Yeah, so you you because you're smaller, you can be more responsive, more agile, and more direct. Yeah, get, get, get really that's great. That's taking advantage of that. Um, why that's good good stuff. Um, I I noticed on your pricing, you have the first, second, and third tier. So first is kind of like uh, get started using what we do. It's kind of for like someone like me who's kind of more independent. Mm -hmm. And you have a, a second thing, which is for larger organization. I think you have five licenses or you can have it to five users. Um, and there's an integration, a native integration with HubSpot. And then there's a third layer. And I think there you have additional integrations. Yeah, for, for, for the third one, we have, um, well, we, we have the API, but we don't have more integration. Mm -hmm. uh, but, and so I think we, well, so we just, I would say, soft launch a new integration. Uh, and it's not uh, on the pricing page yet, uh, which okay. is a DocuSign integration. So oh, okay. basically on your portal, uh, so so far, you were able to collect um, data using using forms, documents, and now you can also directly ask for uh, any signature. And we were thinking about okay, should should we put this integration in the pro plan, so the middle tier, or in the business plan, which is the highest one? So I think. Well, it's well. It's not. I think we will put it in the middle here uh, mm -hmm. for now. Uh, but yeah, this is a good, a good question, and and it's the same for CRM. So right now we do a, we we have two uh, CRM integration. So AppSpot and and um, and PipeDrive, and we are working on also on the Salesforce integration, and but the Salesforce integration will probably go to the business plan. Yeah. So I think it really depends, you know, on the willingness to pay of your customer. And you can make sure that if they are using apps, um, sorry, Salesforce, they are already spending thousands every month. Uh, so they, they can, they can pay for the, the business plan and, and they can pay for additional users. I hope you guys came up with some little ROI calculator where it's like, oh, how much do your salespeople make? If we can save them 10 minutes a day, here's your ROI. 
Yeah, well, well there's so much to, to do in marketing, uh, but yeah, that could be a good idea. Um, no one ever believes the ROI calculators anyhow. They, they, people can do math pretty quickly in their heads. So they, they go there. Is this drive business or is this something that people are like, okay, this makes sense to have this integration here. Is, it, is this where people will discover you on HubSpot or one of these other things or? Yeah, uh, I, I would say it depends on the platform. Mm-hmm. And well, HubSpot is driving us a little bit of traffic. Okay. Um, but if you, well, it, it, it really depends on the, on the, on the platform. Uh, and sometimes it's quite hard to, to know because they, they have seen you on, well, on another platform. Then they Google you, they find you on the marketplace. So it, it's, it's quite hard to, to know, you know, the first uh, touch point. Um, but I would say it's not a silver bullet, uh, but it's nice to be there. Not a silver bullet. Yeah. Tell me if you ever come across a silver bullet. I haven't seen one yet. There, it always seems to come back to hard, a lot of hard work. Yeah. Um, what about what about retention? Have you seen it had have any effect on retention? I mean, there's some studies that show, like one of the thing, great thing about stacks is when you link several things together, is you become more resistant to pulling one out. Yeah. Is there so? Do you think there's a retention aspect to this? Have you been able to measure anything like that? So. I was not able to to measure it. Um, maybe I could I could try, um, but I would say yeah, the gut feeling or at least the um, or the feedbacks from the customer is that when you are integrated in their workflow, is uh, well, it, it's very stable. They they don't want to to change their workflow every day. So I would say it's globally a good thing. Um, and also, uh, I think when there is some friction during the the onboarding, so basically, if you need to work to to start using a product and to be totally integrated in your workflow, uh, sometimes it also helps for retention because you spend so much time to to make it work. Basically, that when yeah. it's working. You don't want to change it. I, I'm not saying that uh, collect is complicated to implement, but <laughs> but you you know it, well. Sometimes uh, I do some calls with the with my customers, or yeah. I would say not customers, but sometimes you know leads, and I ask them to share uh, what they have prepared uh, as a campaign, just to show me, and or sometimes they just ask me for feedbacks. And then I can see that they spent like hours because they have lots of form, uh, lots of um, text to, to give some context to the to the end users. And they prepared like awesome emails and so on. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I I can see the work that it represents to have like set this up. So at this stage, I know I'm very confident that they will be converting uh, like two days later, because uh, when when you spend so much time to well to just to during the trial, then you 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 will subscribe. So uh, and I would say, when when they do and they start using it in production, then you can make sure that they will stay for at least one year or two. Why why HubSpot? Why was HubSpot one of the first choices? Well, it it was a customer need actually. Um, I knew them before. I didn't know exactly the capabilities. And then looking at their API, uh, while well, they, they are doing a great job for integration. So the API is is very nice. And they have like, well, they, they are moving fast too. Also, I've been um, selected in their acceleration program, I think two years ago or one year ago, I don't remember. Uh, and so they helped me like a lot to, well, to do th- this integration properly, and uh, and yeah, and if I had, to, well, for example, with um, uh, PipeDrive, we have, I would say, something quite similar to uh, what we have in Upspot, but we don't have one hundred percent of the same capabilities uh, because of the way they are doing the, the integration. Um, so yeah. 
HubSpot is great for this. Uh, I think we could do pretty much everything in Salesforce, but the amount of work will be like maybe three to five times bigger than what we have with HubSpot. And so, and also HubSpot is interesting because um, I, I mentioned the willingness to pay earlier. And, and I think HubSpot is pretty aligned with our positioning um, because I would say, well, we are targeting uh, companies that have enough to, to, to use our product and to pay for it. Uh, but and but we are not planning to to sell only like uh, enterprise contracts. Uh, we we do, but our our goal is not to focus on this kind of uh, of companies. So I would say, enterprise contracts. If you want to say to this type of companies, you should go to Salesforce. And but and if you want to to um, to have like a PLG move, then maybe. Uh, Pipedrive is is more like uh, uh, well, it will be more like small contracts and self self, and HubSpot can be in, in the middle. So basically, it can be like small companies, but it can also be companies that could use uh, Salesforce, but and maybe have uh, hundreds of of uh, users, but they decide to to stay on an HubSpot. That's oh, interesting. Um, HubSpot. It's, it's funny because it, it's a company that often comes up in conversations. I don't know what it's like today, but a few years ago, they were doing really well with startups. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like almost every startup or every SaaS was using HubSpot because they had offer where it's like if you were with an incubator or or often you could get a year free. And then I think the sex, second year was at like a 60% discount and the third yeah. year at X percent. Uh, actually, the, the CRM is free. Well, the CRM is free, but I meant the marketing package. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. well, in our case, we are um, integrated with the CRM, not the, not the marketing part. Okay. But but you're you're right. Um, lots of startups they can use the marketing suite for like very cheap for very cheap for a year or two. So there are lots of companies moving to this, and and then and also because the CRM is free, they are using the CRM for free. So having the marketing suite and the CRM, I would say with the same providers, it makes lots of sense for them. Well, if you thought about doing something like that, it's a company that gets the CRM, or not the CRM, but if they take the marketing package at a 90% discount, you do something like that to get them started using you guys? Because it just seems like collecting forms is just, and once people are on, on it, what's the chance that they're going to go away? What is, what is your, um, what's your, um, your, your burner. I mean, how do you what's your, how do you lose cut? Forgetting the KPI, but what's your rate or churn? Yeah, so I don't really know it. I would say by earth. Um it was it was pretty low so far. Um, we lose a, a bunch of customer beginning of the year for a different reason. Um, sometimes it was our fault. Sometimes they just decided. Well, there are an aspect which is not to be neglected in, in our case, uh, which is that sometimes our customers, they want to integrate what we do in their product. So uh, so basically they can say, okay, we want, for example, for the onboarding phase, we'll say, okay, we can use Collect for a while. And then after a few months or anything, they decide to, um, well, to have a dedicated page uh, in their funnel or in their in their portal, so it happens quite not quite often, but sometimes, um, and that's fine. I, I mean, we we are, I would say, uh, we we want to to help them being very agile for a while, and and to 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 I would say to start onboarding their customer in a day or two, um, so instead of uh, waiting for for developers to, to do the job. The, um, the funny story, I, I can't mention the customer, but um, it's a big French fintech. Um, so they started using Collect three years ago and and they, they were hesitating 
to implement collect in their workflow for all their onboarding. In the end, uh, they decided not to do that and to uh, develop their own solution to, I would say, to, to do the onboarding by themselves. The fun thing is, uh, a month ago, they came back to me and told me, okay, in fact, we will need collect. <laughs> and <laughs> so the, the use case was not exactly the same, but they say, okay, then I would say the good thing is having your team working on the onboarding and, and offering, um, I would say, unique experience to your customer is unbeatable. So I, I, I can't compete with that. But um, the, the, I would say the strength of Collect is uh, it's very agile. If you want to set up a new uh, workflow, well, a new process, uh, in one hour, you, it's, it's ready to be used. Um, and so, finally, they, you know, they have so many cases, there are so many options that they, th they say, okay, we will use what, what we are doing with the developers for 95% of our case, and for the rest, we are using Collect. Yeah, that's really interesting. I just want to point out a lesson here to young people who are in a sales role. So... When you go into, especially this is especially true of bigger organizations with their own IT staffs or engineers, oftentimes you'll go in there and you'll be like, yeah, we did this really neat thing. And someone on their engineering side will say, we can do that. That's not that hard. Um, so the best thing to do is to list them and say, wow, that's great. Okay. Uh, most of our customers just think not in their interest to do that. They'd rather focus on their business, but I might just put a note on your calendar to call them in six months, see how they're doing with that project. Because 99% of the time, if they say we can do that internally, that's the end of the conversation. You're not going to advance anymore in the near term with them. And 99% of the time later on, six months from then, they will be interested in re-engaging and taking you on board. Because they, they finally figure out, they're like, God, we've got so many competing priorities and this is really not something we want to focus on. And they just figure it out. And so have you found that to be true, Alex? Oh, you know? definitely. <laughs> Yeah, that's like the classic thing. They're like, "Oh, we can do that." Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, they, they can that do goes. that, and and I think sometimes it's the same with no code, uh, which can be a competitor of a lot of different size, and and yeah, and it, it's working. I would say for maybe the usual use case, but then very quickly it will it will break, and and yeah. And and well, it, it's not um, well. It's more complex than it looks like. So I, I think it's uh, uh, sometimes it's good to 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 pick the right tools. And and also, I think it's sometimes it's crazy. It's it's a little bit stupid in terms of cost. Yeah. Um, because well, in in our case, well, we we have a public pricing, so I can. Uh, I can speak about that, but in our case, our cheapest plan is thirty-nine dollar uh, per month, and the highest one is two, um, well, two hundred, uh, going up when you need more seats. But well, you you keep the well the the scale, uh, and so and if you go for an annual pricing, it will be ten times this amount. Have you looked at have you have you looked at any alternative business models or economic models like a usage based one or anything like that? Because it would seem to me for some big organizations, your pricing would be on the low side. Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, and 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 for some smaller organizations, they maybe just need a couple documents. I I don't know. Yeah, um, it's it's a good question. Our difficulty is, I decided not to focus on a specific industry at the beginning. So by doing this, um, we have like a big difference of usage depending on our ICP. So some of our users, they are really happy to pay, let's say 200 a month or only 10 requests. And all those are like using it a lot and sending lots of requests. So I would say um, the number of requests, well, from what we we see so far, is not really the right uh, 
way to to price it and 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 sometimes when when i see for example with the um, e-signature uh, market so e-signature are quite expensive um i still don't know why because there are no i would say no reason to be so expensive um but when you ask i don't know maybe two euro or two um dollar for any signature if we were doing the same with request um then i think it would be like too expensive for lots of companies and 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 in fact it doesn't really cost so much for us um but yeah and i but i think our pricing is more um interesting uh, with the seats management or the users yeah. and because if you have a lot well if if you have only one user or a few well a very small team uh, you won't pay that much but in our case i i think our sweet spots are more like large organization when i say large it's not 1000 it's more like i don't know maybe 50 users and so and and we do have a pricing for them which is good for us so yeah i think it's a good way to to go up market for us interesting I, I, so I spent some time uh, this week looking at your website and uh, reviewing some of your content on Twitter as well and and kind of looking at your marketplace a little bit. First of all, I want to congratulate you on your website. Thank you. Your, your website is very simple, easy to use, and find the information you want to know. Um, and that's far harder than it sounds. Uh, it's actually a lot harder to make a really simple website than it sounds. Uh, and so there's a certain... But in any case, it's really and it's really nice and clean looking as well. You're, uh, I'm, I'm going to pivot the conversation a little bit. Your website appears to be English first. Yeah. Am I mistaken, or is that correct? English first. Yeah, it's English first, and our software is English first too. Um, okay. The reason I did that is, um, well, I, I've been in the SaaS industry for now, and and maybe maybe we can uh, make a wing to to B two B rocks for for now ten years. Um, and I've seen lots of French SaaS starting in French, well, French and English, to be fair. And I would say five years later, they were doing 80%, not to say 90% of their business in France. And I would say, and then they are doing this uh, famous um, uh, VC round to go international right. and and when i uh, well <clears throat> after uh, starting b2b rugs uh, i i worked for uh, uh, well a year and a half uh, at efunders and at efunders everything was done in english and uh, english was our first language and we were when we were launching product we were launching, I would say, global directly. And I was like, okay, I think this is a good way to to do. So I kept these habits uh, and I, I still do that in uh, in English. And and to be, well, even, uh, well, as I mentioned before, uh, the, the, the team is very small and, and I would say most of the work is only done by myself. But if you look, for example, at my project management tool, Everything is in English inside, so I I do work in English all the time. My my eighteen year old son's looking for an internship this summer, and he's pretty much English first. If you want to exploit a young person, yeah, let me know. why not? <laughs> he's pretty good with he's he loves marketing and he's good with computer. There's there's my pitch. So um, really quickly, you touched on you started B two B Rocks. So why don't you fill people in there who may, may not know you well? Tell them about the backstory here. Yeah, so the backstory. Uh, so I launched B2B Rugs ten years ago, um, two thousand thirteen. Uh, actually, the the story is is really well. It, it was not made by mistake, but kind of. Um, <laughs> during the summer two thousand twelve, uh, at this time I had a blog, a personal blog, alexdeliver.com, and I was re uh, writing some articles quite often. And and I was like very focused on Silicon Valley at this time, and there were 
a conference organized by 500 startups dedicated to B2B and SaaS companies. And and when they they were announcing the conference, they were like, okay, they are not sexy. I think the the, the name of the conference was unsexy. Um, and so they say, okay, they are not sexy, but they are bringing some money. And I would say at this time, um, most startups were like um, mobile startups, well, mobile apps, uh, also lots of um, social networks, especially uh, geolocalized social networks. Um, we we had uh, lots of, um, uh, oh, with the name of, uh, of this, I would say, type of startup. Um, uh, like all the marketplace, you know, like Airbnb and, uh, and well, uh, collaborative uh, economy. And, okay. and so all this business, and, I, and before B2B Rocks, uh, I had one of these business. It was called TripXP. And it's exactly what Airbnb does right now with experiences. And so at this time, when you add one of these companies, you could have some media uh, very easily. Uh, you were famous, but in the end, yeah, like you were doing nothing uh, as a business. And and so I wrote this blog post saying it's it's crazy because there are like lots of good SaaS. They are doing like real business. They are doing some money. And yeah, solving real problems. Yeah, and solving r- real problems, but nobody yeah. is talking about them. And so, and I ended the the article saying, "With app for a conference like this one," and and then I received like tons of email, and one of them was um, Roxanne Barza, uh, the the head of station station F right now, and at this time she was working at Microsoft, uh, in charge of the startups, and so and she told me, "Okay, if you want to organize." Um, a conference like this one, you can come to Microsoft. We've got like a big um, a venue, and yeah, and and go for your conference. And so that's how it started. That's really cool. That's that's a great story. Um, tech technology. There, a couple of thoughts spring to mind, which is technology and investors and this industry. We're kind of our own worst enemy in some ways, because uh, I, I was joking about IRL, that unicorn, you know, 95% of their users were actually just chatbots. And I, I think the company set that up to get their valuation and get this huge investment. Um, and, you know, that's not the only example of fraud. We could cite mm-hmm. others as well. I can seemingly fraud. I should be careful. I don't want to get sued by anybody. Um, and then uh, And then there's tons of... Yeah, like I, I go back far enough in technology. We used to have a website called fuckedcompany.com where we would write about companies in the US that had gotten investments, where it was just a really bad idea. And like like petfood.com, which was, you know, a company that raised, a, I think, a, over 100 million mm-hmm. to sell you pet food online. And then people just realized, oh, you can just buy that at the supermarket when you're getting your other food. Um, but there's just, and investors go for it. I mean, time and time again, they go for it, and and uh, and but but you're right. There are so many people solving real meaningful problems that just get ignored because it's whatever reason. Yeah, and also, um, I like this blog post from Paul Graham. I don't remember the title, uh, but it's about business ideas, and and he says that the limit between a very good and the I would say the best and the worst idea is very tiny. And in, in fact, sometimes, well, with B2B and SaaS software, uh, I would say it's not funny, it's not, uh, well, anything, uh, but it's not, I would say, the best idea neither. It's, it, most of them are very good businesses, but mm-hmm. it's not like explosive. And but for B two C or for some companies, the limit between very good and very bad is very tiny. 
if you look, for example, at SoRare, um, the NFT company, if you pitch me this company maybe uh, five years ago, I wouldn't believe that it, it could become uh, what it is now. Because the, lim the limit is so, uh, well, yeah, so tiny that it's crazy impossible. That's, that's interesting. Um, so, so English first. So, do you sell? Which countries are you selling to? How many countries do you are you selling your solution into? Good question. Um, so, our first country is the US. Uh, second one is France. Then we have, I would say, customer pretty much everywhere. Not not everywhere, but in the in the big countries. Um, yeah, we we don't have really, like a footprint specific somewhere. Well, all others than what I mentioned. So, why do you think the U.S. Uh, went so well? I mean, if that's your biggest company, do you think they adopt technology more readily, or what? What do you think the factors are there? Yeah, I think it, it's one of the of the um, of the aspects. So, second one is a willingness to pay. Um, when you when you pitch uh, the same product to uh, French companies and and U.S. companies, that are not reacting the same way at all uh, lots of uh, u.s companies you say okay it will be 300 a month they say okay no problem take my credit card and and they will pay for one year and and for i would say nearly the same uh, type of company in in france they they will try to to get a discount or something so i think well i'm not saying that all the companies do that. But, no, no, but no. We, we have to speak in general. Yeah, yeah. Right. Some. Uh, but I think, yeah, if you if you if you want to your business to go very fast, at least in, in, in France, you need to behave like the the, the, the US companies for, for this. And and yeah, and I think so this is one of the biggest reasons then word of mouth maybe came for the uh for, for the us um maybe or also having uh being english first uh well it's not maybe such a good idea for french market uh for for some for some uh, uh businesses so yeah and well last, the reason why i pinged you on these questions is last week we had a guy matt Rausch who has done a lot of business internationally and worked with a lot of companies that wanted to go to the U.S. and he said English first. Mm -hmm. He's like, there's no reason to do anything else now with a SaaS. And he said, in a way, going to the U.S. first because they're early adopters helps you turn around and drive business in France mm -hmm. because you can point to your successes in the U.S. and say, hey, we're working with Fortune 500X, Y, and Z. Wouldn't you like to get on board now? Yeah. Um, and so he said that was the right way to do it. And even potentially um, founding the company in the U.S. He said, There's no reason. He's like, you look at people like Aircall and they went and founded the company in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And they not only looked at that as a market, but um, it, it, that's why I really wanted to ping you on that and get your feedback on there. I think this yeah, is great. Then, because you, then, then there will on. be, I would say, something to consider also is if you want to do business in Europe, um being a US company can make it more difficult because for, for example i would say technically um most of our infrastructure is in europe um okay. except for uh US business where part of our infrastructure can be in the US but otherwise everything is in europe so we can be um uh, GDPR compliant. Uh, we we can check all the boxes that we need to check to work with European companies. Um, if you are, I would say, uh, an American business first, then it's still possible, but it it makes it more difficult to work with European companies. That's that's a good point. That's a good point. What um. I, I often talk about this guy a lot. There's a guy called Ben Murray who locks, he talks a lot about CFO issues and he was talking about cost of service. Um, 
So as far as the European market, one of the things Matt was talking about is because it's such a fractured market, you have different languages and it, it drives up your cost of service. Do you think, is, is there like, I guess my question is, is do you see structural challenges or SaaS is growing in Europe more so than the U.S. because the U.S. it's a single market and it's a single. Do you perceive that, or is that less of an issue? To, not no, so much of an issue for you. I I don't think. Well, um, I'm a good example. You you can start with having like everything in English and and address most of the uh, of the European market. I I mean it depends who you are targeting. Um, if if you are targeting like um white collar uh, educated people uh, i would say most of the of these people in europe are speaking english so it, it won't be a problem if 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 your software is in english if you want to do something like more um yeah more global usable by everyone then you you will need to have like more languages and and it can become really complicated with with the time that makes sense um well and that's where we're going to talk about chat gpt we we talked about this a little bit mm -hmm. uh i i mentioned i said that your english looks great and well it wasn't chat, chat gpt but maybe it will be soon uh, what what about adoption of new technology what are some new things you guys are working on internally to improve your organizational performance yeah so well i'm uh, I'm using it for now a few months. Um, I would say daily. Uh, so it's it's in my routine now to 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 use it, and I have to recognize that. Um, well, so, sometimes it well for for me it's like a very good intern, you know. Um, so if if you just have like a line one prompt. Don't expect to have good results, but if you uh, let's say that I'm working on a new feature and I don't know how to explain a feature, uh, I don't know how to explain. Maybe it can be like uh, a product marketing, you know, um, somewhere in your product where you want to uh, clarify things or all this kind of thing. Um, being French, or at, at least not not native english uh, but even if i was like native um it's a job to to be a good product marketer and and so you can say okay this is a context i'm currently building um well a new feature in the product uh, so you you just explain like like you would talk to your mom and and then you ask uh chat gpt okay can you suggest five different uh, tool tips. And then they will suggest you things. Uh, maybe one of them will be good enough, but but maybe also it will give you some ideas on how you could rephrase that and use it. Yeah. And so this That's is the like way a, a I'm using it right now. It's like a good coworker, a good uh, yeah. teacher or a good friend. They get you to look at things just a little differently and you're like, Oh yeah, okay, that could work. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's really interesting. I, my experience with Chat GPT is I'm a writer, and grammatically, I can't write better than Chat GPT. Gram grammatically, oh, yeah. stylistically, I can write better than Chat GPT, but I have to work pretty hard to do it, and it's pretty time intensive. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, you know, you can write an article now, have that thing write you an article, and then introduce some stylistic things and different things and you got a great article and action on a time there but i i thought one of the observations you had earlier is you said for smaller organizations this is going to be a game changer because it's really just going to raise floor on the quality of work yeah I, i've been to to a conference in march uh in new york and and actually it was very interesting because at this time i was considering hiring someone to help me in marketing and around so we had a discussion around the, the table about ChatGPT and the impact on marketing basically and one of the guy he told us okay i'm really embarrassed because i do have 
market a uh, team of three and i'm considering uh using ChatGPT a lot and going back to a team of one and i was like okay it's crazy and and on my side i could do i would say the opposite way so yeah. so he needs to reduce basically his team size just to leverage more ChatGPT. But instead of hiring someone, I could just go all in and using ChatGPT to to make more. Yeah, it's 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 funny. If I had a limited budget at an organization and I didn't have ChatGPT, I'd consider not having someone there and improve my tools because mm. I think it's become pretty impassable now. Yeah. And and I think what's interesting about that is I'm looking at all these new tools coming out for like video. Uh, we had a, uh, Ive on here a few weeks ago and we were talking about what they're able to do as far as the video side. I've already used other tools where you can just write in text and the thing spits out video for you. Um, the creative sides where you set up all your brand and then it starts doing creatives. I mean, going to get going to get deep and wide very quickly all the different applications for ai it's crazy especially on the marketing side early yeah. on i i do have um, a podcast on the side called uh, sense connection and i start doing videos so first i'm using ai to have a good transcript uh, of the of the episode and then i put the whole transcript to an ai tool and just ask for like highlights and it's working very well. And then uh, I'm using a, a tool called Submagic. And, and basically, I can uh, transform um, well video thoughts and add subtitle at the right time uh, with the right style, like in a second. So instead of having like uh, an editor that does that and it costs you like a lot, uh, it's, it's done nearly uh, for, for nothing. Yeah, and video can be so time intensive. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like the last thing you want to work on after like a 12-hour day is, is to put in like another three, four hours, pull something like that together. That's really interesting. Um, uh, I think uh, it's, it's super interesting. Um, what about AI as far as on, on your product? Are you looking at ways how you can use AI with your, your product at all? Are you thinking about that? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about that. Actually, I've got a... Well, I've got two ideas of, I would say, place where I could implement that. Um, I'm going slowly about <laughs> that. I would say the main reason is the roadmap is like so packed and, and, and people are waiting for features that I need to focus on delivering this feature first, uh, not focusing on the last shiny objects. Uh, and, uh, but then I've got some ideas the challenge in our case is, well, we've got some privacy and and security challenge. So the idea is to be able to to have some um, well, some AI in the product, but not in touch with um, what well, the data. So so for example, it would be more like for well, we we. We do have some um, emails that are sent by the product. So, for example, having some something that could help our customers to write better emails would make sense. And and then in this case, there won't be, I would say, any connection with uh, what, what's being uh, uploaded or filled on Collect. Okay. Yeah, at a minimum. Yeah. But I hope I hope. If you're writing in English and you're writing stuff, hopefully everyone's already using Grammarly. Yeah, uh, that'll just, yeah, it's, just it's, to keep the mistakes to a minimum. Yeah. But I think you're thinking more of like on the content side. Yeah, it's it's more up. like okay, this is a context. Like I'm a mortgage broker. Uh, I need to to send a third email to uh, to follow up and to to make sure that people are uploading that stuff. Can you help me write the email and then you suggest something? How do you keep the tone nice? That's a, that's a good question. Hey, just reminding you. Yeah. We really need this document before we do anything. Um, 
Uh, that's really you. You were at B2B Rocks last year, right? Yeah, yeah I, 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 it was a blur. I was on stage for two days. Uh, that was probably a very different B2B Rocks than what you're used to. Yeah, it was totally different. Um, I really enjoyed, well, well first, it, I think it was the first time that I was coming to Montpellier. Um, and yeah, crazy weather. It was, it was really great. Um, I would say, and so I was really happy to, to be there. Uh, but I'm also, well, I think, uh, having B2B rocks in Paris is also a good idea. So I'm really happy that B2B rocks is coming back to Paris this year. So, yeah. So we're, you're going to be there on, on September yeah, 19th, right? Sure. Okay. So it's at station F. So Alex uh, mentioned Station F earlier on September uh, 19th and should be very different from last year. I pitched them. I wanted to do a bigger B2B Rocks in Montpellier. I wanted to do a combination B2B Rocks Burning Man where we burn a giant computer at the end of two days. <laughs> but, um, and, and they liked the idea, but in the end we, we went with Station F in Paris just because there's so much going on in Paris and it's a great place. To yeah. I think I, I think yeah. having like um, if we, if we want to have like lots of good um, participants and speaker, well, they can come to Montpellier, but the effort is so high, uh, marketing wise, yeah. that I think doing it again in in Paris will help a lot. Yeah, it seems. I think you may be right because things have gotten a lot more inertia faster. Um, so that's a, that's a good sign. Yeah. So it made anything. Okay, listen. These we're gonna go to the the question round. Okay, these are the four questions that my dog would ask you. My dog's name is Loki. Um, so try and give peppy answers here. Okay. A fun funny anecdote from your career. Good story. Um, good question. Put, put you on the spot. Good question. Good question. Um. Could I be replaced with Chet and GPT? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but maybe the 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 funniest part is that right now I'm spending most of my day coding, and but I have a business background, so nothing related to coding. You're my hero. Nothing, I nothing like is it. impossible. Okay, what would you like to improve in our industry or change? Huh. You were white guys like me. Yeah, I think um, I, I think to keep it uh, simple, because this is something. So right now I'm bootstrapping the company. I'm 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 alone, but I can see more and more complexity coming up, and and I think it it won't be a good idea if if uh, starting a startup is. It's so complex in the, let's say, next five or 10 years uh, because you need to do so many stuff on the site uh, because it's it's just like bureaucracy. Uh, so I think it would be good if it would stay simple. I like that idea. Let's make this, let's make startups and SaaS something that anybody can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the things our original statement with B2B Rocks when we were coming up rebranding it last year is we said we really want a world where anybody anywhere can create a SaaS or a startup because uh, we think that's really an empowering idea and we think that that'll help spread this culture, this problem-solving culture. And not only will it create business opportunities, but we think it'll actually lead to like better opportunities, better governance generally around the world. Mm -hmm. Better people. Better people tend to out with better solutions great i like your answer um give me three words that represent SaaS for you um as a business owner or as a user uh, as, as a user let's say as a user focus on that. okay so simplicity um always up update and Automation. So simplicity, up to date, and automation. Yeah. I'm going to change update to update. Yeah, up to date. Yeah. Okay, great. And then last one. This is the B2B Rocks question. What's your favorite rock song? Um, I would say "Start Me Up" from the Rolling Stone. 
That's a great one. Listen, thank you very much. Um, he's, he's got his own podcast called The SAS Connection. Maybe someday when I'm successful, I'll, I'll go on there. Or if I yeah, it's in up. French, so you ju we just need to switch the language. No problem. <laughs> um, we could do that. If people are ready for a funny accent for a few minutes. Um, he's also just, I'd like to point out, uh, I was on their Twitter feed as well. Uh, and your Twitter feed had lots of interesting information as well. Oh, thank you. Um, so if you, if you like to follow people that are influential in the SaaS industry, I suggest this Twitter feed. And, uh, Alex, thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you again yeah. on September 19th. Thank you so much, Steve. Yeah. You have a great thank day. Thank you too. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, Loki got to ask his questions. Right. So uh, next week, it's a surprise guest. Uh, can't tell any more because it's a surprise. I want to thank our guest again, Alex Delive, a really interesting guy. You know, this is one of the things I love about our industry. Guy all by himself, essentially, very thin organization, building his company. He's got revenue in the U.S., elsewhere. Cool. Um, any case, thank you, Alex. Have a great day, and we'll see you guys next week on July 4th. And uh, I'll have to check. Bye bye.